Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. How many ready for the main point? Main point today is for us to experience the next great outpouring of God's presence. We must be together in one place. For us to experience the next great outpouring of God's presence, we must be together in one place. How do I know this for sure? Well, if you read in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. How many of y'all know this passage? Raise your hand. Yeah? What day was this? Can anybody tell me? The day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost, just so you know, just for us Gentile believers that are a little ignorant to this, the day of Pentecost is not a one-time thing, okay? I thought most of my Christian life that the day of Pentecost just happened that one time. I actually thought that it was just like this big, huge outpouring, and it just so happened to be that they called it the day of Pentecost. But that's actually not the case. The day of Pentecost happens... How many times? Every, it's annual. Right? So now you have a bunch of Jewish followers of Jesus doing the regular gathering. They're doing the mundane gathering of getting together like every year we have before and getting together for Pentecost. Except this time, when they were all together praying, suddenly the violent rushing wind came out. And suddenly the outpouring of the presence of God hit them. This passage implies that the church unity is a prerequisite for outpouring. I'm going to tell you something right now. Okay? I'm going to be very honest. I feel like it's been a long time since I've seen a genuine outpouring on a people of God. In fact, I feel like it's been too long. I was raised in revivals, all right? Anybody, like, like when I was a baby, baby, like Brownsville was happening, right? And then from there, anybody remember Lakeland? Anybody remember Lakeland, 2008? You, yeah, some, uh, as soon as I say Lakeland, the, the room just gets polarized, right? Some people just immediately get angry. Some people get, oh, yeah, great times, man. I was on the floor over in the corner. But I was raised in revival culture. And let me tell you something. I'm hungry for the next outpouring. 
Yes, you can clap for that. Thank you. Yes, you can clap for that. Thank you. I'm hungry for that platform. I actually have been talking with some of the leadership here in this church, and I, like, we're starting to notice that God's on the move. Like, wait a minute. Are you sensing that? It's almost like, it's almost like, ooh, it's almost like sailors that are, that are just about to set sail and they feel the breeze. The winds are coming. I'm feeling that. I haven't felt this kind of anticipation for an outpouring of the presence of God in years. But I've been starting to feel this groaning. I've been starting to feel this thing that like, wait a minute, our city is dry and needs refreshing and our God is ready to pour out. However, if we were to take note of our Jewish forefathers, we would understand that church unity is a prerequisite for outpouring. Like I've already mentioned multiple times, the one thing that happened before the outpouring was that they were all together in one place. Look around. This place right here is primed for an outpouring. And when this happens, it's not just gonna be a nice little holy huddle, I'm going after Sickles High School. I wanna see young people coming to know Jesus, right? Because they need something real, right? More and more connectivities happen and they feel more and more lonely than ever, yeah? More and more options are happening and yet they feel more lost. What we need is the outpouring of the presence of God to mark a generation again. That's what we need. And I'm actually believing, I'm like, God, you gave us this big building and there's like 30 of us. What's that about? You wanna know why? Because this, by the way, look around, look at, look around. We have an echo problem for a reason, y'all. <laughs> because when God does something, he always puts the form first and then he fills it. If you understand the way God made creation, what did he do? He first made the oceans and then he filled it with the sea life. He first made the land and then he put cattle on it. He first planted the garden and then he put the people. God puts the form and then he fills it. Look around you folks. You're sitting in the next place God wants to fill. Are you feeling it? I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> However, we have to be united. We have to be a people committed to keeping the assembly. We have grown in our culture to look at church as an option and not as a commitment. And look, I'm gonna tell you right now, I am not one of these tacky preachers that's about to just remind Christians to be in church. But I am about to remind you the value of committed community. I am about to remind you the importance of showing your face to somebody else. So that way, one, you might have a safe place to feel connected and they might actually have another person to connect to. 
the problem with our Western culture, especially this model where you have a nice little, you know, nice little preacher in a pulpit and a bunch of people sitting down, is that it almost looks like this is a one-way type relationship and it's not. The whole reason why we built an open mic church is so that everyone can feel that they have a voice. Everybody matters. Could you imagine? Let's, re let's rewind the clock. If you just thought, like, if you were just casual about your commitment to hanging out with the Jewish believers of the first century, and it's, oh, it's Pentecost again. You know what? I'm going to stay home this time and get some me time. What happens if you actually were the one that missed the most historic outpouring in church's history? Could you, <laughs> I wrote this down as a funny thought. Could you imagine if you just didn't feel like going to prayer meeting that day? How awkward would it be if you walk in a day or two later and the Holy Ghost outpouring effects still haven't quite worn off the disciples yet? So you just walk in, everybody's all hammered, drunk all over the floor, and you're just stumbling over people wondering, what, oh my God, what have I missed? You walk up to James, and he's on the floor, you ask him what's going on, and he starts, you expect his answer to be in Aramaic, and he starts responding to you in Latin. <laughs> you're just asking him, and he's, he keeps trying to answer you, but it's coming out in Latin. <laughs> and then you finally find Peter. That's when he finally tells you what happened. You don't want to be that guy that missed out on the suddenly of God. That's why we have to be committed to the assembly. Now look, know this church, I genuinely support people taking out time for themselves to rest. And yes, this even applies to taking occasional breaks from church to avoid burnout. Can I get an amen? You're hearing it from the pastor. I'm good with you taking occasional breaks, even from church on a Sunday morning, to go golfing, to go spend time with a friend. That's okay. I'm good with it. However, mark my words. Today, September 17, 2023, God has a specific, I already shared this, so I'm just sharing it again. God has a specific and unique outpouring of his spirit coming to TRP Carewood. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know that a fresh outpouring will come suddenly. And my encouragement to you all is to keep gathering together in person, at church, in, in each other's homes, at restaurants, in parks, wherever. Just keep the priority of the assembly because I don't want anyone to miss out what God is about to do. The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter two, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves. Everyone say, says, everyone say the word devoted. Say it louder. Say devoted. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to teaching. Show up and listen for the teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship meeting with one another, encouraging each other, hanging out. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread 
going out to Applebee's. Anybody Applebee's? Anybody still go to Applebee's? Am I the one? Everybody looked. As soon as I said Applebee's, I just felt like the tension like got really negative in the room. Wherever y'all go, Culver's, I don't care about Four Rivers, something, Mission Barbecue. Me and Nancy have had some wonderful meetings at Mission Barbecue. Let me tell you, we have had some church at Mission Barbecue. It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, and this is the key passage today. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's so funny how like Paul is addressing church attendance in relation to the end times. I think that's not by mistake. Do you wanna know why? Because I'm the kind of person, I've shared this before, when I was first understanding the kind of shakings that are coming in the end times, when I was first learning about what we might actually sit through as a church throughout the tribulations, this, that, and the other, when I was first learning about, man, if the mark of the beast is real and there is no ability for people to buy or sell things and those who are the followers of Jesus don't take the mark, what are we gonna do? Like when I first started learning about some of the tremblings coming, listen, I was the kind of, like I immediately became one of these Christian doomsday preppers, anybody? Anybody? Yeah. I have food in my house right now, dry food, to last a family for a year. And yes, you can all come and have some. Like, we'll, we'll eat through it in a week, you know? But I, I, I started preparing and preparing and preparing. And then I finally felt in my heart, I'm like, there is no real preparing for this. Not in the physical. The only way for me to properly prepare is to build my faith and to build my fellowship. Because here's the deal, here's the deal. I have come to realize now, because I've been asking like, what happens when the economies of the world collapse? What happens when all this, when all this fear mongering actually becomes true? What are we gonna do? And you know what? You all taught me what we're gonna do. When I started this church a year ago, I learned from you all what we're gonna do. We're gonna be doing exactly what we're doing today. Sharing what we have with one another so that there's no need among us. You missed it. I need to say it again because you didn't, you didn't catch it. During the great crescendo of history, during the greatest parallel time of all humanity, you and I as a church, we're gonna be thriving because we will continue to share what, what we have with one another selflessly until we find no need in our community. And yeah, you're gonna hear some miracles. You're gonna hear a powerful miracle. Did you hear that at the Perez's house, all of Osiel's tools became bread? So Osiel's over here like celebrating that this bread, but super upset that all his tools are gone. But we will walk in great power to the degree that we walk in generosity. And because this church is an incredibly generous church, I don't fear the shakings that are coming. Because we're gonna take care of one another the way God commanded us to already. We don't need any extra weapons of warfare. The ones we have already are enough. They're enough to sustain us in this age and in the age to come. We don't need to add to his word. His word is perfect. What we need is each other. What you and I need to be is in tuned with God. 
I heard Bill Johnson say this earlier this week, and I thought it was so cool. In an orchestra, you can have two instruments that are off-tune, but if they are tuned with each other, it sounds like correct, but they're not making the proper notes. So what ends up happening is you need to make sure that in an orchestra, everyone tunes to the tuning fork, right? Because here's the thing, if we're in tune with one another, but we're not in tune with the tuning fork, we're off. So how do you produce unity in a body? You get everybody centered on the source. If everybody's centered on the source, unity is the natural byproduct. Or can I get an amen? Man, I know I'm talking a lot today. I'm like, <laughs> whatever, it's good. Hot bread. <laughs> Hebrews, I'll read it again. Hebrews 10:25. So let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So why? Everybody say why. why? Say it loud, Phil. Say why. So why do some people neglect the gathering of the brethren? I've got two main reasons for you. One of them, I wrote down notes. The other ones, I did not. Because the other one, I really just want to share straight from my heart. You ready for the two reasons why I think people neglect the gathering of the brethren? Of course, these are not the only two, but these are the two that I highlight for today. The first of the two reasons that I think people neglect the gathering of the brethren is because of shallow Christianity. This movement that happened within the last few years of deconstruction of faith, I blame the church for it. I have so many friends, millennial, millennial believers, the choir, the fire generation. I have so many believers that grew up in church, my age, that when they hit their mid-twenties, they started experiencing this deconstruction of faith. Where they started questioning everything that they had been taught to a point where so many of them have now fallen away from Jesus. They have fallen away from the faith altogether. Now look, I have no problem with, with asking God to clarify and to even question some things. I have no problem with that. But the problem with the deconstruction of faith issue is that it's, it's brought an entire uni- uh, generation out of the church and into universalism. And I blame the church. I take blame. I'm part of the problem. You want to know why? Because my caution is to have a Western church culture that's trying to bring an entire generation into following Jesus with simply fancy lights, smoke machines, and emotional highs. And don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with creating an engaging church experience. However, if all we provide is the fancy lights and smoke machines and try to get people to follow Jesus that way, it will not leave them with a strong biblical root system to help strengthen their faith to stand the test of time. If all we have is our fancy smoke machines and our nice light shows, and we just slap a Jesus sticker on it, of course people will fall away. We haven't given them the bread of life. We haven't given them 
the rock to which they can build their life on. Of course, though, that's all that's, that nice, fancy production. It's wood, hay, and stubble. And when the fire's coming, it gets burned up. That's why I, I am so adamant that this church must be a church that is obsessed with the Word of God. We must be obsessed with the Word of God. It must be, uh, we must be desperate like, like air, like water. Without it, we are lost, hopelessly lost. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It says in Matthew chapter 13, verses, verses 3 and 6, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Pay attention to the next verse. Are you listening? Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. We're seeing a mass of people forsaking the gathering of the brethren because we produced soil too shallow. Shallow Christianity exalts emotion above devotion. We're seeing more and more churches that aren't even preaching and teaching the scriptures in their gatherings. Where the church, in my opinion, this is where the church has gone wrong. The church goes wrong if she thinks she can make a lasting impact on the human soul without Jesus. Yeah, you guys, I don't think you're getting this. I don't think you're seeing what I'm seeing. I don't think, I don't even think you're like, dare I say, I don't even know you're, you're appreciating this enough. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. What? Thanks, Mama. How dare we think we can do better than Jesus? I'm just gonna come out and say it. I can have a multi-million dollar marketing fund and a multi-million dollar church production. Hallelujah. <laughs> However, I will say this now and I will say this always. We can never do better than Jesus. Million dollar, multi-million dollar productions and budgets and light shows and lasers and people flying around pretending to be angels. I'm cool with it, as long as it's centered on the Word of God, because we can't do better than Jesus. None of us can. We can throw all the money we want at it. We can throw all the fancy psychology and emotional tactics we want. We cannot do better than Christ. He is what people need. Jesus is what people need, not a shallow, Christless version of Christianity. Here at the Resting Place Carrollwood, I don't want Jesus to simply be a nice mascot to our man-made programs. 
But instead, I want the person of Christ to be the center of our community. I want his words to be the building light that guides our lives. It is the only way we will weather the storms of life. Um, Erica, can you? It says in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I'm just going to say this right now. Um, If you're ever wondering, like, if you ever feel like you're lost or if you ever kind of like need to be regrounded or recentered, just open up the book of Matthew and read the Sermon on the Mount. Read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's what many have coined the constitution of the kingdom. You know? So if you're ever feeling like you just need to be grounded again, just open up Matthew. And keep reading until God touches your heart. So in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, this is the passage of wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let me tell you something. You are going to have storms in this life. Any pastor or preacher that has told you otherwise has lied to you. You are going to have storms in this life. The difference is, will your house stand or will it crash? That's the only difference. And the only way to make our home stand when the storms come is to build our life on his word. On Christ, this solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So shallow Christianity is the first one. You ready for the second reason I brought to you today why I think people are forsaking the gathering? Church hurt. How many of you have been in church longer than five years? Anybody? Longer than five years been in church? Yeah. If you've been in church longer than five months, you probably already got some church hurt. But if you've been in church five years, you've definitely been hurt by the church. And let me tell you something. I promise you that if you stay in church, you're probably going to get hurt some more. Because unfortunately, church is full of humans in it. It's full of humans. 
And humans make mistakes. Humans, humans can be selfish. Humans, humans can be greedy. But let me tell you something. I want all eyes on me. I want all eyes on me right now. I stand as a pastor of this church and a representative of the entire church. And I'm looking at you and I'm saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why God set up the church the way he did, but it's the only church we got. And I'm talking the church of the earth. I'm apologizing on behalf of all the spiritual abuse. I stand responsible, speaking on behalf of the church. I'm sorry that we passed over you. I'm sorry that we couldn't recognize your good things when we had a chance. I'm sorry that we didn't represent the face of Jesus the way we should have. And now I ask you to consider forgiving the church. I ask you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to put the past behind to open up a brand new clean slate in your relationship with Jesus and his church. Because guess what? The church is going to exist forever. And you part of it. I ask that you come together. That you give this thing a real shot. And maybe... Maybe, just maybe, we can build the church of our dreams. I wrote down the church of my dreams. Would you like to hear it? I don't want to be a part of a church where my absence would go unnoticed and yet worse, unmissed. I want to be a part of something that when I'm not there, others feel it. Because if, I, because if that's not the case, then I'm ultimately part of a church that doesn't really need me. I wanna go somewhere that I feel like I belong the moment I walk in. I wanna go to a church where people know my name, they know what I do, where they are aware of my struggles and they are also aware of my personal victories. I want to be part of a church family where people know my world and I know theirs. I want to be a contributor to a church family where people can feel safe to come to me and share secret difficulties and ask me for advice and where I can do the same. I want to be a part of a church where we can celebrate the promotions at work. Relational breakthroughs. Where we can celebrate personal growth milestones. Where we can cheer on each other's hobbies and weekend projects. 
where we can celebrate the development milestones of our kids from when they lose their first tooth to when they graduate high school and so on. Where our children can play together and cross-pollinate their different cultures and backgrounds to a point where our children build lifelong connections with one another. I want to be a part of a praying, prophetic, supernaturally charged church. I want my church squad to be the same people that I eat and drink with while simultaneously go to war in the spirit on each other's behalf. The kind of praying church where Satan and all of his demons simply cannot find a single inch to infiltrate our lives. I want to be a part of a church that's a safe place to confess my sins, but not a place that encourages me to be comfortable in them. I want to be a part of a community that fiercely encourages one another to pursue righteousness and holiness and yet gentle with one another if and when we fail. I want to be part of an open mic community where everyone has a voice. Where we exist in an ecosystem of encouragement. Where we're not naive to think that all the things that God wants to say to his church comes through just one pastor. I want a church that believes in signs and wonders and miracles, that these are tools to share the love of Jesus with people and not used for spiritual ego or for justification of leadership insecurity. I want to be part of a church that does not turn its ear away from the poor and the needy in our city while also caring for the needs within our own church family. I want to be part of a church community that passionately seeks the face of God and declares Jesus as its magnificent obsession. I want to be part of a church where I can love and be loved. I want to be part of a church that feels like home. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.